It's hard to be bored here at the farm because there's always something changing. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of June 13. This is our chance to just sort of talk through generally what's going on on the farm, uh, with an emphasis, of course, on what's growing. We thought we would just kind of run through everything and um, take a mid-June status check. And and the reason I mentioned change is because it seems that probably every other podcast we mention something about, well, this is a transition time. Now we've got a, another transition. This is changing. And what I'm finding is it doesn't have to be some big cusp of a brand new season to experience change, especially with the way... Uh, our weather has been lately with a little bit of a cooler spring than normal. Summer's coming on like gangbusters. And so there's this, you know, shifting. Um, And of course, today's a breezy day. So, you know, we had rain earlier in the week. There's always, because of the environmental changes, something that's not the same as it was yesterday. And this doesn't relate to the growing update, but we had a brief little period this week when we were tempted to turn on the air conditioner. It was so oppressively hot at night that the evening was warm. But uh, our better natures prevailed, and we d- decided not to do it, and we got through it just fine. Yeah. So. yeah, and today's nice and breezy, and we're hoping we won't have that oppressive heat. But but the past few days were hot, humid, in the wake of the rain, I just thought we'd never dry out. So, uh, but but now, what in terms of the vegetables, what we'd like to talk about are some of the transitions we're facing. Uh, Beginning one, with the peas. Yeah, the the sweet peas, the the early peas, are pretty much done. Uh, I yesterday found a couple of harvestable pods left, but basically they're coming out of the ground today. We ate the last of our Swiss chard yesterday. We had um, actually, it ended perhaps a bit prematurely thanks to vole damage. The voles had eaten the roots away of all the chard. So I simply pulled it, washed it off, cut the thick stems out, and and you sauteed it beautifully. I was your sous chef, but, you know, if you just, uh, on chard, if you just um, make sure that the thick stems are, and of course, I clip them down to the, the better part of those. We cook them with some onion, a little garlic, a little um, hot pepper from the garden. And we actually threw in some of the peas this time. Yeah, and threw in the last of the peas. So we're, uh, you know, we had a, an interesting end of spring mixture. And, and actually, summer's not officially here yet, but it sure feels like it. Um, the onion and garlic, I just have a few more onions sitting out in that bed. And honestly, I could harvest them all today and it would be right. Um, the garlic, I think as soon as it dries out a bit more, um, possibly this evening, the yeah, rest of them. We've harvested half the garlic yes. and the other half is still in the ground. The silver skin, right. And um, <clears throat> we're basically waiting for it to dry out so that it's yeah. so that we can go ahead and harvest it. But this has, without question, been the best year for onion and garlic. 
You're just not yeah. a great harvest. Well, and I think I mentioned this when we talked about the onions, that I'm just going to do the same thing again this year that I did last year, which is plant them earlier, plant them in the fall. And I, all I know is I did that last year, and I got those nice big bulbs as opposed to little that looks like an overgrown scallion. So, um, the, And this garlic that is still out there in the uh, beds, it's just beginning to get so hot that I know even if it doesn't look as you know, ready as it should in some ways in terms of turning yellow, um, a lot of the, the um, fronds are falling over and it's just getting hot. So probably that'll be coming out of the ground really well. And with the garlic that I have been drying that we harvested on May 20th, it's, I've taken it down from its um, drying string we had it strung up and you first put it you put it in the storage room in the and it was shut up in there and boy it is pungent and that was just like three garlic bulbs (laughs) imagine what the others but uh but it is i mean it smells great oh we've had some we i i did actually use some of it the other night when i cut it up you might not have known it It was some of that garlic that we put in with the uh, Swiss chard. And what I noticed is that makes me think it's not really ready, but I wanted to use it, try it anyway, is it's still a little green. There's some green okay. color to the yeah. to the naked garlic when you get yeah. down to it. So all of this will have a chance to continue curing, but I will be cutting the fronds off and the little, um, the mo- majority of the little hairs at the bottom, the roots, and um, storing it in the uh, in some garlic jars and also in the root cellar. The ta- the cabbage is tailing off, but you still have I think you said one big old head out there. Yeah, there's one really large one, and then there's um, uh, several that aren't heading up yet, but that are still alive. And what made me wonder? I've never had a cabbage that I've planted spread out the way that one has, and I mean it because there's nothing else really in the bed. It's taking up not like a fourth of a bed. And I just wondered if that's what they would do if I planted them farther apart in the when, when I'm really trying to grow a lot of cabbage. Um, but for whatever reason, this one's interesting. It, it's not a beautiful specimen <laughs> because the bugs have had their way with it. I'm, sh- you know, I'm not sure exactly what's eating them, probably those cabbage worms. But, but the plant has survived and it is heading up nicely. So... Um, it's, so we'll it's probably kind of be harvesting it soon. Yeah, I think just before we let it get away in some way. Uh, cucumbers, a little update on that. We I've bemoaned the fact that the voles were eating the seedlings of, of many of the cucumber plants uh, that I put out, as well as, well, I put out seeds, and then as soon as the seedlings popped up, they were gone. Same with my corn. As soon as a seedling popped up, it disappeared. Well, I have, what, maybe four stalks of corn left out of a whole bed. And the cucumber, the, it's almost the whole south half of the bed, it survived, and a few at the north end, and they're doing great. Yeah, they're just spreading out, yeah. taking over the bed, which, so, is, of course, is just which fine. Which is fine. So we'll just have a cucumber bed up there, and I'm very pleased to see it, and uh, we will enjoy those. This is our first year when we've really had the chance to give the sweet potatoes full run of the trellis, and they seem to like it. They do, but I'm having a difficult time getting some of the um, runners to stay on the trellis, getting them up there. So they're about to, I've got some herbs planted on the west side of the bed, and they're encroaching on those herbs, so I'm going to have to do it. I've been noticing that too, and 
I hereby bless you to terminate those runners. I, I feel like if if you can't get them to stay on the trellis, and if they're taking over your herbs, just grab your clippers and clip them off. Yeah, I could do that. I'm going to give the, the trellising another try, though. Okay. I'm not giving Fair up enough. yet. But I was, it was interesting to see that develop. Uh, tomatoes. They're also encroaching mm-hmm. on the eggplants that are yeah. there in that bed. Well, let's and, talk about the eggplants. We've got what I would call our first real eggplant harvest. I think we had one last week, a small one. Right. But now t- uh, two of the Ichiban, uh, good size ones, a couple of those white eggplants, and a couple of black beauty. So we have enough to have an entire eggplant meal, if we want to, yeah. from three plants. Um, and they're looking great. I say they're looking great. We still have the flea beetle issue with the eggplants. The eggplants never look really healthy, but they produce great fruit. So that's and, and we that's sort it. Of, yeah. We've quit worrying about the flea beetles. Well, I do worry about them, especially when the plant is small. And the the ones that I put out as seedlings that I started indoors are off to a very slow start because of the flea beetles. They just were practically annihilated. But we've got some survivors out there, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with those. And um, everything I've been able to read about this is consistent with my own experience, which is if you can get the plant large enough and it survives the flea beetles, the, the, the leaves may have holes in them. They look kind of lacy when the flea beetles get finished with them. Um, it's not a pretty sight, but if the plant can survive that and then you start seeing them have flowers, putting out their flowers, then, you know, hopefully those are going to you're going to have some fruit, and it may they may not be a beautiful plant, but it's okay as long as we get our eggplants. <laughs> you got it. And I interrupted you. You were about to talk about oh, tomatoes. The tomatoes. Well, I didn't want to skip the eggplant, but yes, tomatoes. There's mostly good news on that front and a little perplexing news. The good news is, in spite of the vole damage, and the voles took out about five or six tomato plants, and including a couple that were big, that were already you know fully grown and beginning to flower and one of them even had little tomatoes on it and they the voles ate the root system and it just left the poor stem and it died but despite that that bed where those are planted contains about 12 other tomato plants that are doing well Uh, several of those have their first fruits and i've harvested a few of the a cherry type tomato that um, we've had some of that they taste excellent um, the larger ones, and some of the ones that I put out as transplants, are growing, uh, beginning to bloom, but what is fascinating, not good, is that they're huge and green with little, very small amount of flowering, and so far, at least one of those plants that's doing that has no tomatoes, has shown me no tomatoes. So, and I know I did not fertilize those with nitrogen. I'm trying, you know, yeah, I've been trying our to... Our master gardener training tells us when we, when we see that to suspect over over nitrogen, yeah. over, over fertilizing Too much rather. grain and no fruit, right. Uh, and we know that is not the case. That's not what we've done here. So we're mystified by it. Yeah, trying to figure out. We do have one friend who lives not really nearby, I'd say 40 minutes from here, who's had a problem with her um, blossoms on her tomatoes just falling off. So she's not getting production because of that. Well, these blossoms so far are on the plants, but they're just not doing much. But then some of them, uh, some of the ones that I bought from the uh, superfoods that just as transplants are doing great, like solar fire and um, 
there was a Rutgers tomato that I bought from Farmer's Feed, and one of the Rutgers is the one that's out of control, big and green, like I was mentioning. The other one has, has set fruit. So I'm hopeful. And one other thing you've told me you've noticed is uh, not as many of the native pollinators. I'm not seeing as many out there this year. And I'm that, a of concerned. course, is a cause for concern. Yeah. We're just, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, we don't know whether we need to beef up our habitat for native pollinators or plant some attractive plants for them or what, but that's something we need to keep a close watch on. Yeah, uh, and and of course that is something I intend to do anyway. Over time, develop a better 30% of you know ornamentals out there, the pollination attra- uh, pollinator attractors. But the fact that I planted two of the type basil plants that usually have attracted them in the past, I have a Thai basil and um, another one that has usually puts out a lot of blossoms and attracts them. I don't have any African blue basil by name, but um, the Thai basil looks very similar. But in the past, one of our big attractors has been that African blue basil. So maybe um, if I can get my hands on some of that, I'll just maybe plop one of those. Maybe go find this some and get it in the ground. Get it in the yeah. ground, yeah. So that's that's one concern. The strawberries. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago in the podcast that we thought they were just gone. Yeah, so you've probably pulled them and replaced them with something else by now. No, I haven't because they were still producing. It was very limited. And I will say this, that the um, overall quality of the berries, the proportion of nice, big well-formed and um, undamaged berries has decreased in favor of some that are, you know, I'm sure they don't like the heat for one thing. And they're, you know, smaller, smaller, oddly shaped. Yes, I still have squirrel damage and bird damage to them, but that was going on all along. So it's not that, it's that the, I'm just not getting as many big, pretty berries, but there has been a resurgence, and I have a basket full of strawberries in my refriger- in our refrigerator right now, so that um, you know I'm just going to keep milking them as long as I can. You bet. And then I'll pull them. The blueberries. We've already told you all about the fire and all of the damage that that did. But we did have oh three or four uh, blueberry bushes that were undamaged enough to set fruit and boy those berries are they're tasting good maybe not quite as sweet as they were last year and I don't know what that means a couple of them that one that we think is a premier those are pretty sweet if you let them get ripe enough and I thought we had about five didn't we count about five of them that are producing now yeah Oh, I thought you said three. Okay. Okay. Um, But, well, at first we thought there might just be one, that the one big bush that looked as though it was not damaged. But now we are optimistic that at least it's sort of, it's two steps forward and a step backward. That is, these are about the size they were the first year we put them out, except for one of them. Right. But But they have better root systems, so they are growing more quickly. And I am uh, hopeful that we will have a decent harvest next year. Yes. We'll see. Yes. Uh, blackberries, uh, the, there's a constant struggle to avoid harvesting them too soon. They look nice and black, but if they're the tiniest bit shiny, uh, we've learned they're not going to be sweet. So we have to wait until they're totally dull, and then we can maybe get a little bit of sweetness from them. That's a, The blackberries... 
it's a it's a constant guessing game as to when to harvest them. Uh, this year, the all of the Fuyu persimmons are setting fruit. That is so exciting to see. Yeah, we, um, at long last, persimmons. Yeah, the Wasi Fuyu, I think we've only got one or two persimmons on the Wasi Fuyu trees, but the, the all three uh, Fuyus are setting fruit and looking promising. Um, we're getting a good many apples and even more pears this year. So that's fun. This will be our first year when we have more than one or two. Yeah, that, and, that's uh, exciting. And still not what I would call a, a real harvest, but enough that we should be able to see how these various um, varieties of pears are going to differ from each other in taste. Yeah, that'll be good. We'll do a taste test when we harvest those. We have a few tiny peaches. I was more excited about peaches early in the year. What's happened is a lot of them have dropped before maturing, and many of the peaches have never really filled out. They just remained small. So I'm not quite sure what that means. We never expected peaches to be easy and never expected to have a really ample harvest of peaches, mm -hmm. and <laughs> we don't this year either. Yeah. Well, we can toy with ideas about what to do about that in the future, I suppose. Yeah. We've got one or two plums. We have a nice big plum on our one of our Ozark premieres, and the Ozark premier plums are supposed to be really good quality. So uh, I'm really interested to see whether it, the fruit actually matures. And, of course, if that's all we get, it would be deeply frustrated. But I think in future years we'll see more of those Ozark Premier plums set out yeah, that's and only mature. A, isn't that only a two-year tree? It's a two-year-old yeah, so, tree, yeah. yeah. This will probably be our best muscadine crop ever. Um, everything's looking good. It's interesting, the self-fruitful muscadines are setting more fruit than the female plants are. And again, that may be a pollinator issue. Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure what that means, but the... Um, Granny Vals and Nesbits are just pouring on the fruit. They're the self-fruitful ones. And then the Black Beauty and the Supreme and the Darlene and, um, are not coming on quite as well. Um, but I'm looking forward to whatever we do get in terms of muscadines. That will be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'll be They'll fun. They'll be nice We're, and big and juicy, we hope. Um, the figs? Looking good. We've got um, the brown turkey, the LSU gold are uh, really showing, they're setting fruit now in a significant way. So there's a promise of a good many figs that we'll be able to enjoy this year. I've got an issue with my figs though in that we tend to have major branches die off. I haven't had any trees die off. But we've had major branches to just dry up and um, and just die. That's so, strange. I don't know what you know. I just that. cut them back as they die, and the remainder of the plant tends to grow up around them. And of course, the nice thing about those uh, mature root systems is when the when the plant grows up quick uh, around them, they grow up with ample root structure. Yeah. But um, still frustrating. Well, another question. 
uh, we have two pomegranate trees remaining, right? No, we no, do. No fruit, though, right? Yeah, we've got one tiny pomegranate oh. on one of the pomegranate bushes. It probably won't make it. They never do at this stage. You know, at this point, all I'm trying to do is keep them alive and keep the weeds out of them so they can cut some size on them. And well, I saw a blossom on at least one of them, and it looks yeah. pretty. So. Well, I guess that's a full report. Uh, that gives you an idea of what's going on around here. We will look forward to visiting with you next week. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.